Hello, everyone, and welcome to HR Works, a podcast for HR professionals. We really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to join us. I'm the host of HR Works, Jim Davis, and the editor of the HR Daily Advisor. This podcast aims to put valuable tools and knowledge into the hands and ears of you, the HR professional, and those tools will arm you with the best methods and strategies for attracting, motivating, and retaining top talent. In this episode, I want to discuss performance reviews. Why do we do them? Do they work? And are they worth it? I'm hoping we can at least generate some discussion with today's guest. I'm pleased to have with us today Galen Sher Jan, Chief People Officer for Bright.md, an organization dedicated to delivering virtual care. Thank you so much, and I'm honored to be here, Jim. It's my pleasure. Um, Galen is an experienced human resources and organizational development executive with more than 20 years, leading HR across high-tech, healthcare, financial services, and manufacturing industries with specific expertise scaling high-growth companies. She's previously held roles at CrowdStreet, in situ and Zoom Care, and is leadership certified in Myers Briggs, DISC, PDI, and other leadership and profile assessment tools. She builds and scales Bright.md's people and resource strength through its planned growth and expansion. Uh, not too long ago, you and I sat down for a Faces of HR column uh, interview where you said that at the last three jobs that you have eliminated performance reviews. Do you mind discussing why? Uh, sure. Many of those moments were not necessarily planned. I think one was um, uh, a moment where the CEO and I had a great conversation about the futility and the amount of time that was being spent on those performance reviews. And the next week, he just announced to the you know, 1,500 or so employees that we're going to get rid of them and um, Galen will figure out what we're going to do next. So I think... Um, after that experience, I realized that sometimes you just have to jump in. And I had a, a firm philosophy that that um, we're not getting to the real issues when we write it down on paper. So how do we solve that? And uh, uh, that's what I've been pursuing is how do you solve the real issues with giving performance reviews? And I don't think it's necessarily you know, a digital solution or, or paper and pen. There's something more fundamentally missing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I definitely want to dig into what that is. I uh, I did get a little, just a tiny bit of pushback um, when I published that article. It was just in the form of a comment, someone saying, well, how are we supposed to calculate our annual raises? Yeah. You know, and my, my immediate flippant answer is don't base it on performance reviews or give them equally or have some other system in place. Um, but I'm kind of curious as to how you would address that question. Yeah, I've had that question before. So um, obviously had to cross that bridge. And um, when we look at managers and their span of control, it's usually between six and nine direct reports. Sometimes it's, it's even bigger in, in flatter organizations. But I will guarantee that a manager knows their people far better or they should know their people far better than any numerical rating. So when we go through the process of assigning a numerical rating or any way of assessing ABC candidates, what I have seen often is that there is um, an extensive amount of, of realignment once the results come to be. There, there's a lot of time spent saying, no, 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 really, I should change my numbers a little bit because that, that doesn't feel right or this person isn't as high as I expected. So that's one of the the, the key signs that, that even as you're doing these exercises to um, determine the compensation, you're, you're now skewing, skewing the data. So I'm, I'm not 
putting blame squarely on the we're skewing mm. the data. I'm actually saying I think the data doesn't really tell you the whole story. So my premise is is that managers know their employees and how they're performing relative to one another far better than any numerical system. And I think there's an art along with the science. And at the moment, we're a little bit more science oriented. So I'd like to shift it more to the art. And if, if you can just indulge me for a minute on that, when we talk about the art of determining compensation, um, it, it's not, um, it is it is very important for us to also understand diversity, um, disparate impact, issues that when we're determining pay could cause problems because of our own bias. So I don't enter into this conversation lightly. It, it takes an awful lot of training to make the art fair. And that is where I'm spending a significant amount of my time is preparing managers to <laughs> make art fair um, because they already know what's how, how they'd like to um, uh, assign you know, increases to their individuals. And, and I'd like to trust those managers and help them. That makes sense, right? Yeah, it's interesting. I'm, it does. It does. I think there was a certain rationale for a while there that was saying, well, we don't want managers to unfairly give out performance increases that will open us up for liability, right? So it always comes back to in HR. Like you're saying, though, if you do it with a numeric-based system, you're going to see those, those same biases. They're just going to be done in a way that looks like they aren't biased, right? Yes. Excellent point. Um, so that's, you know, they tried, they tried to make it work, but it, it, I don't think it works. I mean, my biggest issue with performance reviews has to do with my personality. And I know we talked about this a little bit in our other interview, but I really don't particularly care for criticism. And I should qualify that a little bit. I, if I'm doing something wrong, I don't know it. I want someone to tell me, but if it's something I would most of the time, you know, I'm pretty self-reflective. Identify my flaws and errors, and then I take steps to to repair them. And there have been so many times I've been in performance reviews where I'm having to have a discussion with somebody about, you know, something that I've been like, you know, messing up or dropping the ball on that I have already identified, already taken steps to correct, and because they're annual, doesn't really matter. So then there it is, written down in concrete. I'm hardly alone in that. I don't. I don't think a manager knows, can know how someone's going to receive that criticism. And they almost feel obligated to criticize because it's supposed to be a moment of growth, right? You know, how can you have growth if you don't find the mistakes? So, I mean, I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, uh, first of all, we're, many of us are our own worst critic. And, um, I honestly cherish having employees that are like that. Um, not, I mean, I think it's very painful, right? Uh, but the performance review moment just exacerbates it. So what I'd rather have is a relationship with um, someone where I can say, here's what I'm seeing as manager, what do you think? And the response you would have in the moment is, yeah, yeah, I noticed that too. So this is what I'm doing. And great. Perfect. Can't wait to see what else. Um, so the weight of the performance re review is too heavy. The lightness of just offering an observation and being curious is really important. And that's that's where I'd like to go to is these frequent you know, observations, because sometimes as a manager, we are wrong. Sometimes our observations are inaccurate or missing something. Or sometimes um, our observations can lead to a better conversation like, 
oh, you're struggling with something that I wasn't clear about. Let me be more clear about what I need. Or, oh, I've sent you in the wrong direction. I, I cannot count how many times the role of manager is, is um, not prescribed enough around how we have to create clarity for our employees, how we have to have context, provide context for everything we ask. And sometimes we just give limited information. And then we have to have connection. So it's, it's really those three things. How do we provide the context, create clarity of our expectations, and be, be able to own when we're not clear? And how do we ensure that we have a connection so that we can be forgiven and we can also forgive our employees? No employee is coming to work just saying, can I skate by? Every employee is coming to work to do their best work. I really believe it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I feel that you can do things to make your employees want to just skate by. I sure. mean- the an, an employer can certainly take steps like not listen to their their criticism or or input. Some performance reviews ask someone to evaluate themselves, and then the the supervisor also evaluates them, and then they have to compare them. Something I've been through, I, I can't stand it. I mean, it's like <laughs> I thought I was doing great, and you think I'm doing worse. How is this productive? Like now I'm just <laughs> mad at you. You know, you want you if you want someone to disengage, that's how you do it. Yeah, there goes that um, connection. It's gone. <laughs> it's it's one of these things that you're like, you know, we've done for so long. It's a, of course, of course, we're going to do them, you know, and then you see if they come around, everyone groans, including the people that have to give them. I mean, I've not been in a leadership position, but I wouldn't relish having to judge somebody, especially if it were tied to how good you know, what their pay becomes, you know, it's like a concrete judgment with a, with a number attached to it. That's very specific and influences their lives. Yeah. Let me, let me make a quick comment on an experience that I, I had as, as you know, I'm relatively um, new at BrightMD and uh, in the um, late fall or early winter, you know, November timeframe, I told my employees, look, I, I see the performance reviews that, that have been done here. I'm going to do a little bit differently, and I'm going to try to articulate what I think you've done. Uh, so I spent some time just writing down all the accomplishments for each person and then um, areas where they have grown, and I've observed their growth, um, and areas where I'm looking forward to you know, what I would see as their next big step or the next big challenge, because every employee wants to be challenged. So my employees thought I was doing their performance reviews, maybe just in a different format. And as I walked <laughs> through what I had seen as their accomplishments, I had throughout my time been, been tracking some of the simpler accomplishments that laddered up to big impact. And so I was able to paint that context and that picture for each employee and um, then how I'd seen them grow both in, in knowledge base and also in, in influence and sphere of influence in the company. And then what I thought they could do with that next. And at the end of that hour, hour and a half conversation with each employee, uh, I had, um, all virtual, virtually tears <laughs> that it was such a joyous experience because I, 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 there, there were many moments where things could have been done better things, the ball dropped, it, but it doesn't matter. The impact was significant and we were a team getting all of these things done. In a small company, you're working in it as a team. There's never one person that's a hero. So, you know, it's my responsibility to help every single employee um, get the work done. So 
I, I think that's part of the solution is is really looking for um, what they've accomplished and surprising your employees with, I notice you, I know what you're doing, I know how you're doing it, and you've made an impact. So, um, so it was a big shift. Yeah, that's a really great approach. That you know, that was going to be my my next question is if someone is listening to this and they're saying, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna get rid of performance reviews here. Yes. And then they, they they're immediately confronted with the next question, which is, well, how the hell do I do that? You know, what do I do instead? What does that look like? Especially if it's not structured, because um, they were. I mean, say what you want about them, they're very structured. You, know, you start here and you finish here, and it's done. Um, what's your advice to how someone can get started? And then if you could just talk a little bit more about you know what the overall approach really needs to be, that'd be great. Uh, I'm going to start a little tactically and then we'll step back out and, and go broader. So the first thing was something you brought up, Jim, that was really important, which is the tying compensation to reviews. So I would, first of all, ensure that um, if you're if you're changing your approach, that you do a lot of the um, research, get the primary research that's been out there that shows the ineffectiveness of, of reviews to um, uh, compensation decisions and make sure that all of your key stakeholders truly understand that they don't have to be connected. And then I would disconnect the review process from the merit process. If your merit process is in February or March, do your reviews in July or August. Don't tie them so closely together, even in time. Um, then let's step back out a little bit further. Uh, you as long as you've got um, some real key tactical elements that that proof point what we're currently doing isn't isn't working or it's or it's a loss of productivity for your managers and your employees, you know, let's stop doing this ma madness. Um, work on the philosophy of how you see employees. Be the champion for what you believe to be your employees' contribution. For instance. Uh, I have a very clear perspective that employees come to work to do their best work every day. And in the moments where they're not doing their best work every day, there's possibly something going on outside of work that's causing it, or maybe there's a little bit of friction in work, but they are, those are moments. Those, the long trend day in and day out is every employee is coming to work to do their best. So that's one pillar. Another pillar is that an employee is in their job because they can do it. We've already determined they can do this job. So why are we assessing if they can do it or can't do it? Why is it so binary? Why are we saying you could do it better? You could do, you know, I'm not so sure about it. We have to stop that philosophy. So I would work on the second pillar of what is our philosophy around employees being at work and are they qualified for their job? If you really think they're qualified for their job, believe it, because that's where you start to say an employee will rise to the occasion. And you have to have that philosophy. When you provide a challenge, make sure that an employee understands they will rise to that occasion and you believe in them versus we're going to judge whether you can accomplish this next challenge. That's, that's a fear-based start. So those two pillars are my primary starting point. And being able to articulate this to managers over and over, to executive teams, to your board if possible, those are the be beginning foundations of being able to then design what you want to design. 
Um, so now that we've got the philosophies, I would say the next step is to really start looking at what an employee needs and what a manager needs. An employee needs feedback. How do we provide feedback frequently? And a manager needs great performance. How do we ensure managers can have tough conversations, can write things down when they need to be more clear, and actually deliver these conversations with positivity, joy, and high expectations for the employees? So that that's a big body of work, too. But that's that's where the main piece of work is. Yeah. There's a lot of instincts. I mean, it occurs to me that you have to really overwrite. You know, like one of the things I've learned uh, in my time doing this is, you know, well, it's really just being in corporate America is the approach to conflict is to immediately just sort of push back, you know, um, to say, you do this, you do that, to get aggressive. That's your instinct. Then, well, at least that was my instinct. I, not everybody's like me. Um, but that's barely useful. It doesn't do anything. It, it, it aggravates everything, makes it worse. So then you have to check yourself. Okay, I'm mad. I feel attacked. I'm not going to just start pointing fingers and, and fight back. I'm going to, you know, internalize it, find out where the lesson is, were they being fair, were they being unfair, and then and then approach it from that perspective. And as, you know, when you're talking about getting everybody on board with whatever the philosophy is going to be, you know, those are the kinds of things you're going to have to fight against. And that can seem somewhat impossible. How do you address those instinct-based problems? Well, first of all, Jim, um, thank you for being so open about the process that you go through in a very personal level. Uh, and I'd like to say you are in great great company. I don't know very many people that, that react differently, honestly. This is, you know, our emotional intelligence that um, as we learn to work through our emotions, you know, we, we then figure out how to look at things differently, have a different approach. So I just want to compliment you that that is, um, is, is very learned and, and thoughtful on your part. And, I hope I hope uh, your organization recognizes that because just going through it without anyone teaching you how to do it is really difficult. So, congratulations there. Um, well, thanks. Yeah, I I, um, I think we talked about this previously, but I do do small group, very small, intimate group, three four people manager process where um, I called it my placemat. We ha we had this placemat that we did at one of my previous companies and. Uh, it, it, it walked the uh, managers through this imaginary process where I had them think about a moment where they got feedback that they really disagreed with, right? And most employees, most managers are doing exactly what you did. They had a moment where they were angry and frustrated they didn't understand the context of what why it was being said. Maybe the feedback was absolutely wrong. For whatever reason, it 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 drummed up these deep um, pains and and kind of scars. And then we talked about the emotion of what that makes you feel like on day in the moment, day one, day three, day seven, and a month later. So we're, we're just walking them through. How did you feel? How did you feel? And what's interesting is, is the feeling is, is 
scarring. It's there. It is not a moment. It is long term. And it really impacts the relationship for the employee to the manager, the employee to the company. The um, it, it takes a lot of energy for every employee. And, and these are managers that have had this happen to them. It takes a lot of energy to, to reinvigorate themselves and, and self-motivate because the, their manager had no idea this was what was happening to them, you know, nine, nine months later. So then we walk them through. So then we, we have on our placemat all the emotions that what they went through because we know enough <laughs> that these emotions are happening consistently. So we show them the placemat and say, is this your journey? And, you know, they're all nodding their heads. So then we submit a new placemat for them to look at visually that says, okay, if you were faced with a challenge and you were failing and your manager approached you this way, what emotions would you have? And we start focusing on those pillars and we start walking through how an employee can feel supported, how an employee can feel understood, um, how an employee you're motivating and increasing their capability to reach higher and to rise to the occasions. So that personal experience and the personal experience you just talked about, all of us have had that. Now we have to replace it. And we have to replace it in a way that every leader understands it so they understand what they're doing to their employees and they replace it with a new approach. It is really important. You know, one of the things about the structure of organizations is that you don't really get an opportunity to fight back, right? It doesn't work that way. I mean, you get an argument with your manager, it's not productive and it's probably going to end badly, you know? And so if they do something like that, like, you know, um, I don't really like to use the word trigger, but they, you know, they trigger you. And if they don't, whether they know it or not, what are you supposed to do? You can't really do anything unless you want to put your job at risk. So of course, if they didn't know that they were doing that, how would they ever know? You just don't have the opportunity. I mean, I know some places have people review their superiors and that might be a step in the right direction. Um, but yeah, a lot of what you're talking about reminds me of positive reinforcement, just the concept in childcare and, and in training pets, <laughs> um, which we probably don't want to use that comparison too much, but, you know, trying not to say like you did this thing that's bad because it doesn't matter how you cushion that. It's going to, it's going to, they're going to say, oh, I'm bad. I'm bad now to put it in such a way that celebrates their achievements and encourages their growth in the directions you want. It's you're doing the same. You're doing you're the goals the same, right? But yes. you're doing it without having to activate that part of them that's going to get defensive, that's going to get upset, that's going to hold a grudge. Because yeah, I do. I hold grudges for a long time. <laughs> I remember pretty As much every I. one of my performance reviews. <laughs> I don't like any of them. I still am mad about them. Um, <laughs> so you know, it's true. Totally true. Yeah. Yeah. It's everlasting, right? And 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 it shapes us in all in all sorts of ways. Now, I, I will say, you know, there are moments where uh, I've appreciated the feedback directly, but it's been without judgment and without blame. Yeah. It's an observation. It's a I can help you or I cannot help you as your manager, but this 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 has to change. Let's figure out some other way to change it. But I always feel like I have a champion beside me. Um, so you're kind of asking what can an employee do? I think right. And um, 
I have um, I, I have the luxury of being in a position in in my career now where uh, I can take a lot more risks. Like, you know, I want to bring my best self to work, and if you don't like me in that way, I know I'll probably be able to find another job. I hope, fingers crossed. But I'm willing to take risks. So one of the things I try to do is talk to my manager, um, and it, it's, you know, for the last 15 years, it's been a CEO, and tell them, this, this isn't going to work if you give me that kind of feedback. We are a team, we are together, and I want to tell you how what you just said makes me feel. And if we really, I, you know, so I, first of all, own my own emotion, and I'm also willing to talk about my emotion um, to my, my manager, um, and make sure that they're learning about me and then what my expectations are. Now, I think this is really tough advice for me to be able to give to all employees because you have to be at a spot where you feel like, you know, you can give that feedback to your manager and it's about you and you're expecting them to behave differently and you, uh, it's a risk, you know, um, but eventually we all get to a point, I think, where we can do that. And the best outcome is your manager who was clueless from the start, because I don't know you always, um, is now knows you better and is better equipped to deal with you and is, is now part of your teammate versus, you know, standing in judgment. So I hope that helps in some way. Yeah, I think it does. You know, it's... Um... Knowing, knowing that you had the ability to be vulnerable with someone uh, is a risk at first, you know, but once that, once that's breached, I mean, it's extremely valuable. It's what we need to have real human connections with people. And that's what work's all supposed to be all about, you know, taking those risks can be challenging if you have a difficult manager, if you're in a toxic place, um, you know, unfortunately, that's the truth for a lot of, a lot of people. I don't ever get to talk to the people that are unhappy. It doesn't, it's neither here nor there, but I really want to, you know, like I get a lot of, I, I know it, <laughs> I bet you do. Yeah. It's a risk for someone that's unhappy with their work to talk to me, you know, uh, a big risk. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, a bunch of people are going to listen to this, but it would be so valuable because not all those situations are unresolvable. I mean, yeah. sure. Some of them are. Just like you expect your manager to know about you and what's going on with you, and, and they won't unless you tell them, you know, you do the same thing to the, to the manager. You're saying, oh, this guy's just a hard ass, or they're all from my case. And it's like, you don't know what's going on with them. You don't know why they're saying the things they're saying or doing the things they're doing. It might be under a misguided attempt to uh, encourage and grow you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, misguided <laughs> is the or, key. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know... You gotta, if you can have the opportunity to, to try and understand that better, it is a risk. You're right. But I think it's extremely valuable. Yes. And, and why I say it's getting better is the, the employment market now we're post almost post COVID. We are one of the, the silver linings of COVID for the workforce is that for many professionals that can work from home, we are now a national market. So I know BrightMD mm. is looking nationally. We 
uh, love having employees in the office, but we understand that to have somebody in the Midwest or the East Coast, if that's where they're at, we're going to figure out how we bring them into the fold and periodically bring them into Portland to you know get to know one another. But we really now value their skills, capabilities across the nation. And I think it was a little bit different six months ago, a year ago. So um, there are many, many, many more opportunities for employees who um, who can't cross that chasm with their manager. It's un- un- untenable for them to vote with their feet. And we, as leaders in um, yeah. HR and OD, need to recognize and acknowledge that and, and, and start addressing it and make people understand um, that that the risks are big. And I'm talking about our leaders who think that everyone's disposable. It's not, that's not the case. They, it is very expensive to replace somebody and you're harming them, you know, as a person, let's be better and let's fix both of those issues. Absolutely. I mean, and you're not just harming them, you harm the people around them. Everyone in your company is going to know when a firing is unjust and they're going to remember it. You know, and they're they're part of your your candidate pool. They have friends that are in the space. They have people that are like them that are working at companies like yours. And you're a fool if you think they're not going to talk about it with them. And Glassdoor really helped that too. Yeah, it did. And I, there's some other organizations out there that are that are getting in that space too. It's value very valuable. It can be gamed a little bit, but it's very valuable. Um, I do really enjoy reading Glassdoor reviews um, <laughs> because I always like to see if I can find the CEO and the and the HR manager. Because <laughs> you'll see, you'll see, like, oh no, I have no complaints. Like you're almost obligated if you're going to be if you're the CEO, you can't possibly admit to to having something. If you're the kind of person that's going to go on Glassdoor and leave a an all positive review, yeah, you couldn't possibly say anything negative. It's like no way. <laughs> There's no way there's nothing negative. Every company has something negative. It's whether it's just like a relationship. Yeah. You're never going to find someone that has no flaws. It's about, can you find flaws you can live okay. with? You know, oh, that's um, funny. anyway, I, I find that very funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to hear of things changing. I'm excited to talk to people like you that, that seem to understand that there's a really is a pathway to unlocking unlocking the real potential of employees and managers alike. And it's through basically through respect, uh, respect, dignity, compassion. Um, you know, I, I, I know that those monikers have been given to HR, but we are also very business driven, outcome driven, results oriented. We are business strategists. You know, I, I do want to ensure that, that, you know, people know that your, your top, uh, HR person is likely the least, the 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 person that has the least uh, ag- amount of agenda or political um, elements or aspirations in their function. They are great advisors to the CEO on multiple business uh, strategy decisions. And as long as you can understand your business, the business model, um, what you're pursuing, and and contribute at that level. You're becoming more influential. Your sphere of influence on an executive team is is um, valued. So now think about the good you can do for the culture. Think about the good you can do for managers managing people. So so I am saying start with the business. Be an exceptional business 
strategist, business manager, um, complement the business and be, be of value in that executive team meeting. And then fold in everything you need around the culture and around employees and around processes and tools that you're bringing in because, um, because we're the ones that, that can do, have to do that. That is our job. Yeah, that's really, really well said. There's such, if you look at the uh, aggregate impact that HR professionals have on, uh, you know, well, in the world, but if you want to just look at, you know, the United States, it's probably one of the largest influences in someone's life. Agreed. And, and they may never even see it. Their their job is their influence on their life. I mean, you spend more time with your job than you spend doing any other thing. That is very insightful. We've got to get it right, folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's, that's why I do what I do. You know, I mean, that's why I talk, I talk to people and try and get the word out there that there is a way for you to be, you know, respectful and compassionate and make a ton of money at the same time. Cause we all want things to succeed. I don't want my organization to go under. Nobody does. Nobody does. I mean, you can push someone to that point where they do um, the, the actively disengaged employee. Right. Yeah. The, uh, but the, you can also recover, recover them if you do if you do things correctly, or if you do things, even if you just try to do things right, mm-hmm. helps. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a. So yeah, I mean, I don't really envy HR's position in that. Uh, if you go onto like online forums and threads, because I, I stalk them because I'm curious Love about it. unique HR scenarios. Ah oh, man, you guys get a bad rap amongst the general population. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You can't, an HR person can't, and when they've achieved something, you know, and really helped out their employees, a lot of times they can't even really go to the employees and say like, look what we did. It's so great mm-hmm. because, you know, it's tied up in a, a business proposal or it's tied up in, in some strategic thing. That's really not, that no one's really talking about yet or, or it's a private conversation, you know, it's a private conversation to inform their leader or their manager that, um, you know, their manager needs to change or redirect or, or see things a little differently. And, and it really then impacts the way their manager interacts with that employee. And you can never talk about that, right? But we're always looking for dysfunction, whether it's at an individual level, whether it's at an organizational level, whether decisions are not being made appropriately, whether we've designed the organization structure to be ineffective or over overweight or overbearing in, in some certain areas. You know, we're always looking for some levels of dysfunction and trying to fix that and make it, you know, effective. And so when we talk about performance reviews, I challenge all of us to say, is it effective? If it is not effective, jump off, have no fear. You will figure something else out. Instead of the written performance review, you will, there is plenty of research done on compensation and and the relationship. Jump off that cliff and do it. You'll figure it out. We're all, we should all rise to our own challenge, right? And I, and there's one caveat there. I'm sure that you have a wide variety of, of listeners here um, within the HR space and, and many are uh, JDs or, you know, attorneys and, and they'd say, no, it is very important to have documentation. Um, and then there will be some that say, gosh, the documentation that we get on an employee that we are, you know, releasing is, 
so complementary? How can we release it? So it's a double-edged sword. But I will say there is a place where you have to be clear. That's how I put it. I would like every employee who, who cannot, maybe there's a misfit or maybe it's not the right organization for them or you know, for whatever reason, it's, it's not a good fit to be very clear that this is the path we're moving down. And sometimes that's, you know, of course, always a conversation, but it's then at some level written and at some level it's clear. And then the conversation many, many times in my experience has been the employee saying, I don't think I'm a fit here and I'm not enjoying myself and I'd like to leave. Um, that's a, that's a, a better outcome, but there is a place I'd say in 2% of our population, you know, that, that we've made a mistake or they've made a mistake uh, significantly about the fit. And so we should just own it, not blame anybody and move on. It just shouldn't be for 100% of the population. That's what I'm saying. 100% of the population doesn't need a written review about this to be legally compliant, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and you know, like you're, that's very well said. And what you're saying before is your manager should know who they are. Right. Agreed. So if you can trust them and rely on them, and it's been proven that people that are are let go amicably mm-hmm. don't sue. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure it happens, but that, that's the most important thing. And when someone's getting out of an organization is that they don't turn around and say, "God, I hate those guys," mm-hmm. and I'm gonna I'm gonna get them. <laughs> yeah. It's so easy to do it that way, you know, to burn somebody. And they, like I said before, it's human instinct. You want to burn them back. <laughs> It's, you're not supposed to be like that. We're supposed to be above it, but you know, that's the first instinct. Um, We are so alike. (laughs) I'm trying to be all professional about this, but we are so alike. (laughs) You're, you're Um, speaking the truth. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. It's, uh, it's just really important to me. When I was a teenager, I was like, burn the whole world, Mm. you know, you know, screw the man. And the organization, if I had known that I was going to end up in corporate America, I would have been very disappointed in myself. Oh. And that never left me. It just evolved into something realizing, wait, actually, no, there's some real good work to be done here. Yeah. Because we've got to impact other people. We've got to, you know, make sure that they're being treated fairly and that they're moving in a in a positive upwards direction. You know? uh, like I said in our last conversation, Let's change the world together. Let's change the employee yeah. experience together. Your work here, uh, I, I'm I'm so glad you 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 um, dug deeper on. I never want to be in corporate America because I can't imagine the absence of these type of conversations that you're having and the questions that you ask and your willingness to be just so honest and and um, and actually go down a personal route that many, many, many of us have been down, but we feel like we shouldn't talk about it. So the level of transparency that you bring is super important. It's honorable. Well, thank you very much. Blushing a little bit here. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> well, you got to hear me saying all the time, like, oh, we're alike, you know, don't think any of your examples have, I haven't felt them personally myself. It's that instinct to not talk about them is interesting it's something that i felt when i when i entered this world an enemy i just couldn't sustain you know mm-hmm. i'm not like that i gotta i gotta challenge and and say the things and take the risks and just because no you're right like no one is 
Right. It makes it okay. It legitimizes what we're feeling. And I think that um, many times we, we are worried about that. Absolutely. Any uh, final thoughts before we go? Specifically on performance reviews or on us changing the world? <laughs> Let's do it on changing the world. <laughs> yeah, I think there are a lot of really big companies digging deep on this. I'm not at those big companies. I'm at a smaller company. So for the folks, and, and I love being at a small company. I love startup. I love uh, being able to really see the impact of my philosophies and influences and the practices that I put in place. It's very immediate, right, in, in smaller companies. So when I think about your audience and, and the breadth and the expertise that's out there, um, I have a lot of faith that large companies are going to figure this out relatively soon. And I want to make sure for those of us that are in the smaller companies that we think long and hard about our opportunity to do this for employees that are in the startup world, that are in venture-backed companies or private equity companies, that maybe the financial numbers are highly scrutinized and there's hardly a time to talk about culture, performance reviews, um, the employee-employer mm -hmm. relationship. Uh, that's where I think the change is really going to be um, significant is if those of us in smaller companies can do this type of work, we will accelerate the success of our companies and for sure make work a much more pleasant place for our employees. Make it confirming. Thank you so much, Galen, for taking the time to join us today. Oh, I really appreciate it, Jim. And I'm looking forward to any time we can talk. I'm sure we'll speak again. Um, I would look forward to it as well. Listeners, we're always interested in suggestions you might have for what HR Works should cover next. Please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at HR Works Podcast with your suggestions. None of you ever do, but you should, because I want to know what you have to say. Thank you for listening. This is Jim Davis with HR Works.